1: You're listening to the AME Radio
2: Show. Hey, everybody. This is the AME Radio Show coming at you. I'm your host, Jason Dowd. This is a show that is the voice of artists and entertainers everywhere, and we are proud of that. So we are here for another weekend to talk about some really cool stuff that's going on. We got some new projects coming out from our guests. We got a couple of guests coming on. And we're going to be talking about some things that are impacting you in our community and around. So, there's a lot of stuff to cover today. We're just going to sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride. So, um, before we get into anything, I guess, let's talk about the websites www.theamemagazine.com. You know, there's a wealth of information up there. If you missed anything, go check it out. Um, It's never gone. You just, uh, it's up there for you to listen to at your earliest convenience. You can be inspired. You know, all of our guests that come on here are, trying to show you what they're doing and they're also not only doing that but showing you that if they can do it you can do it too so i hope that their story is inspirational for you to get out there and try something new and uh also while you're there you could be a part of the social media network because we got a couple of them up there we're trying to build that up and uh if you are there like us follow us do whatever and also, you can download our, our app for our Apple or our Android platform completely free. It's all there on the website when you can go to get it and look at it. So, before we dive into any more conversation, let me introduce to you our guest that we have coming on today. We have Lana Nelson. She is the author of The Food Coats Intuitive Eating for Everybody. Now, this is not spelled like everybody, it's everybody. And we're going to be talking about food and how it impacts you and some really cool things, too. I think you guys are going to really enjoy this uh, this interview, especially if you're really into the, the health waves that we are and trying to eat right. You know, do better by ourselves. She's going to tell you the way to do it. Then we have Ruth Primo Berkowitz. She is the author of a children's book called The, Bar- the Barber's Daughter and the Little Window. And we're going to be learning where this comes from. Who is the barber's daughter? And what is this little window? She's going to be diving in, diving into this. It's it's a really amazing, touching story. I think you guys are going to love this. And uh, we'll be having her on for more because she's got some more books in the series coming out. So this is going to be a lot of fun to get started out with. And I guess that's about all we have for uh, the guests right now. But let's talk about some things that are going on in our community. You know, I don't know if you heard, but this past week... Uh, Capital One had a major, major brink of security. And over 100, uh, I think I think they said 100 million uh, social security numbers were stolen. So if you are a Capital One member, uh, I happen to have two car- cards from there, immediately go on and, and change your password to log into it. Uh, suppose that they caught the person before they did anything with it, and she said she just really wanted to hack into something. So uh, she accomplished that, so um, I don't know what that's going to mean for our, in, for our information. I think it's pretty much safe, but just to be safe, uh, they are going to be offering some things coming up here. In and in, um, I don't know what it is exactly. I've heard that it's going to be either $125 or 10 years of credit monitoring services. So we'll see what happens. Uh, I don't know how to find out if you are breached, but what I would do is if you have any concerns at all, call Capital One. And the reason I say this today on the show is because there's a lot of people that I know that are artists that have Capital One. There's a lot of people that are business people that I know that have Capital One. And there's a lot of people that haven't done anything in, in the uh, art world or anything like that that have Capital One as well. So if you are listening, please make sure you protect yourself. You know, credits. Credit scams like this happen all too often. And one of the biggest tips that I can give you, and this is what I've learned from other people that are talk, that have talked about credit problems and stuff, if, you're, if your information is breached, you can actually freeze your credit, and it's easier to do than you think. All you have to do is go to Equifax, TransUnion, and there's another one, I can't remember what it is. Um, but those are the biggest ones to go to, and when you're there, tell them to freeze your credit, which means if anybody applies for credit under your under your social security number it will it will bounce it back they won't be able to actually go ahead and secure credit using the the um the agencies so that way they can't open up any any accounts in your name and you can unfreeze this anytime or you can tell them look i'm applying for this particular credit card so there should be an inquiry coming in and let it go through and it's that it's that simple and you can kind of protect yourself in in ways that you know might actually benefit you and it's easy to do so contact the three major ones and when you're there tell them that you want to freeze your credit okay i think that's all we got for you today because i don't really want to get into too much i want to get into our guest and if we have some time at the end i will definitely be playing some music i love listening to music and closing out the show with music so that's where we're going to head for right now Um, i'm going to take a quick commercial break when we come back we do have our first guest lana nelson on the line and talking about food so don't go anywhere we'll be right back after this
0: i'm gladi the dachshund the face of gladi's goodies are you worried about your pet's health My parents were too, especially since I developed pancreatitis. They couldn't find any treats I could eat, so they made some. Our natural treats are healthy for all dogs, with and without health issues. We have lots of delicious flavors like chicken, turkey, salmon, sweet potato, beef, and more. With our homemade treats, you won't worry about the contents because they have no chemicals, fillers, or bad ingredients. Go to GladysGoodies.com now to get your fur friend a bag. And pick them up some swag while you're there. You'll be glad you did. Remember, we have the treats and swag to make their tails wag. Again, that's gladdy'sgoodies.com. Again, that's gladdy'sgoodies.com. Your time hasn't come yet, baby. You've got a lot of dreams to go. Your time hasn't come yet, baby.
2: Hey, guys, it's Jason Dowd, and I got a special announcement for you. You know, it's hard to believe, but 2018 marks the 50th anniversary of Elvis Presley's Speedway. Co-star Victoria Page Meyerink will be making personal appearances throughout the year, sharing her memories of Elvis. Visit Meyerink.com, that's M-E-Y-E-R-I-N-K.com to find out where or to host a screening or Speedway event of your own with Victoria. She's going to be bringing candid, special behind-the-scenes memories of working with Elvis. Again, to find out how you can have your own personal screening or Speedway event with Victoria, just go to Meyerink.com, M-E-Y-E-R-I-N-K.com.
0: Hi, I'm
1: Serena Vincent, and you're listening to the A&E Radio Show.
2: Welcome back to the show, everybody. We have on the line with us a special guest. Her name is Lana Nelson. She is the author of the Food Codes: Intuitive Eating for Everybody. And I'll tell you what, guys, this is something that's playing really true to my heart right now because I have kind of gotten my eyes open to this a little too too little too late. And I hope it's not too too late. But um, I'm going to be going through this, and we're going to be talking to her about this and how she got into it, and and why you should be more opt to Taking uh, care of your body by eating healthy, exercising, doing the stuff we need to do, and so we're really excited to have her on. Welcome, Lana, to the show. How are you doing today?
1: Thank you so much. I am really excited to be here and speaking with you, Jason. Thank you so much.
2: I'm glad you're here with us too. And I think you guys, I think you're going to be giving uh, my audience a great uh, wealth of information here, and hopefully an eye opener. See, I had my eye opener, and it it kind of woke me up to to what's going on inside of me. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, you know, this is this is bad. And now that I'm kind of going through it, I'm I'm, I'm kind of like a, in a detox type of state here. Uh, so, the for anybody that's out there who doesn't know, I have MS, and I have been staying up to, to work almost twenty hours a day. Um, I I don't eat much, and I I was gaining weight without without eating. And so I realized that you know what, that's inflammatory, and I, I'm starting to get to the point where I need to. Uh, you know, get rid of that in- inflammation. And now I wish I was dead because I'm going through this like a detox and the pain is there. And I didn't realize the pain was there. I was kind of like, I knew it was there, but I didn't know it was this bad. So I'm kind of going through this and I know that food is going to be the source for me to get better. And I know you kind of had the same type of situation. So what kind of got you into doing this type of stuff? I know you, I know you, you say you do you're a licensed masseuse, uh, you're into food and everything else. So I knew you said just something about pain, so tell me a little bit about your story.
1: Oh, you bet. Uh, the pain, I actually, many, many years ago, I owned a dental laboratory, and I was on um, a delivery one morning, you know, taking some uh, dentures to a prosthodontist office so somebody could have their teeth to chew, all <laughs> right? And uh, on my in my little car, I um, had actually slowed down because there was a wreck in front of me. And a semi-truck smashed into the back of my small car. So fast forward an ambulance ride and head and neck shoulder injuries to the hospital. And then 10 years of excruciating pain. I went through the full medical gamut with neurologists. And um, I had 10 years really of, of uh, headaches. Not just headaches, but migraine headaches and pain from like the bottom of my feet. My hands and arms. It was difficult to lift my hands and arms. And I just actually had gone through an old journal, and I read a little. I read a um, a section of it saying I needed. I had to give a uh, speech at an event. I had to get up and talk to an event. And and I said, I hope I can get up and stand and walk to the stand, and nobody knows what pain I'm in. Mm -hmm. So that's the kind of pain I was in. Anyway, fast forward that. One of the uh, one of my neurologists said, "I think you should see a chiropractor." So I actually started going to a chiropractor, and then I started looking into natural things. Now this was in the late '80s, early '90s, and it, uh, like drinking green juice then and detoxifying was not in this in the mainstream. Yoga itself was not cool. Okay, that was some of those way out there things. Where now, you know, juicing or detoxifying and, you know, taking care of your health is, is uh, more and more in the mainstream with food. But I started looking for food as well and nutrition. I started juicing. I borrowed a juicer from a friend. And so, and I mentioned this all in my book that I'm, that we'll be talking about too. But. One day I said to a friend of mine, I should marry a chiropractor. I'm seeing one three times a week. And we laughed and laughed, you know, like, oh, that was funny. Well, I happened to have six children at that time. I met a blind on a blind date, a chiropractor. He had six children, but he specialized in what I had been diagnosed with. Um, I was told I had fibromyalgia, it, which is definitely pain in the fibers of the muscles and you know, can be different for a lot of people. But within two weeks of, of working with him, I was out of pain. And a little bit fast forward, uh, we married and have lived happily ever after for about 26 years, combining our six kids to a family of 12. But in his practice and working with food, he worked with people in, in a lot of pain. And in his practice, I said one day, you know, I really, we really should include food because food was one of my healing points. And so we really should c- include food. And so what I did was I, and, and this is not a diet for every, um, for the masses, but it, I made a tested, a personally tested food plan for each person that uh, with whatever their individual needs were and tested. Uh, are you familiar, Jason, with muscle testing?
2: I have I have or, seen uh, it, yes. kinesiology? It's, yes.
1: Okay. Well, I use kinesiology or muscle testing, and for your listeners, what this means is you actually can test the body for a yes or no answer. Your brain is a computer, and you can access your inner knower to know exactly what foods are best for you. So I did that for each one of our patients at the time. And I had done that for myself um, as to, to also get better. So that, I, th- I thought, eventually, you know, I need to take this to more than just what people we can see in our office. So that basically is why I wrote the book, so you can learn how to know what your best foods are for whatever your health or healing situation is, whether you uh, would like to some weight or whether you have a condition like you have and what would be your best healing foods Mm -hmm. now does all that make sense that was a whole lot of fast-forwarding but no it does
2: it does because I mean there are different there are different things that your body could have that could be triggering other things and I truly believe and I've been doing a lot of research on this is that nutrition is really what causes us to get sick because of the fact that and I'm not saying you know by eating the right stuff you're getting sick is by eating the wrong stuff that we're getting sick, and I didn't realize yeah. that half the time when I, I picked up a, I picked up a thing in a, a piece of food in the in Walmart, and it said made with real meat. I'm like, wow, oh god, that is an eye opener. You know what is fake that meat? And you know what I've been finding out is that we've been sitting there eating a lot of plastics and fillers, and it's not it's not healthy for us. And this is where we have other problems that can stem from that. And then like people like you or or, or me that have a, that have a condition, we can actually reduce a lot of that through food. And I think that's a fantastic way of of dealing with it, as opposed to taking all these chemicals and stuff like that too, that can actually cause more problems to relieve one problem.
1: Yes, yeah. I took some medications for pain and i wasn't really able i am very sensitive to medications mm-hmm. so all oh, it just made me woozy i couldn't work and uh so i if that didn't work for me so then you know uh food has been a really big part of it and we're so torn this day even with good foods okay you hear the whole food revolution or you hear this diet is best for you or that food is best for you oh don't eat this and then you see a study that comes out and says Oh no, we were wrong about fat. Fat
0: mm-hmm.
1: really is good for you. It's not bad for you. But only eat this kind and this kind. And then someone else will come and come out and say, Oh no, it's the animal fats that are so good for you. So but what is good for you? Your body has an individual fingerprint. That's okay. Right. Your body is different than mine and my best foods could be your worst foods, so to speak. Mm-hmm so i really teach you how to determine what your best foods are now at any time
2: now obviously we got to we got to figure out what's wrong with us or what we want to change in our in our lives to you know what g- gain whatever we're, we're accomplishing with so how to how do we first identify something and then how do we go about using your plans that you have in your book to work with those types of goals or um things that we've recognized and should we work with somebody that is a nutritionist or a doctor or anything like that.
1: Okay. Well, here's what I did. I made my book The Food Code's Intuitive Eating for Everybody is it, mm-hmm. is basically I made it very very simple so that you can learn the method that I use that I have used for 25 years to test food for people, for individuals. You can test for yourself. You can test for a loved one. You can learn to test for your animals and pets because pets need best foods too, okay? Mm-hmm. So I teach you very, in the first few chapters, I give um, extreme, uh, extremely easy um, ways to use muscle testing or kinesiology. I give you pictures and everything. So as a matter of fact, people I've had people say that they've tried to use muscle testing or kinesiology before, and it was difficult for them. But they found it really easy using my book. Mm. And so with that, then I also have a fabulous um, download of Whole Foods. And uh, so a wonderful chart that you can test. So you don't have to look up all the foods yourself. But you can then say, is this the best food for me at this time? Because really, um, your body and you're talking, um, we didn't really talk about stress. But you're talking about the stressors. Of working so many hours Mm -hmm. caused your body was one of the things cause your body to break down and maybe not eating those foods that that were right for you but we have a lot of stressors emotional physical mental and so on but so in that testing your own foods and then being able to in my book I teach you basically after finding those foods then how to use them even if you've never cooked before Because as a nation or, you know, as Western civilization, we've gone into a lot of uh, prepared and fast foods. Yeah. But so I teach you super simple ways to um, make your own recipes that um, I give you recipe templates. For instance, uh, if you want to make a soup and you don't have to have ever boiled water before, okay, or ever cooked before. That's how simple I make it. So to show you. Um, There's a section on recipe templates and how to make different flavors and so on. And then at the end of the book, I give you ideas on... I show you um, how people uh, like a family, single, you know, a family of one have used and a family of three or four or five have used the food codes for everybody's meals. Mm -hmm. So it's it's pretty all-inclusive. I also... Um, teach you how when you're eating out because you're not going to get away from eating out these days, okay? You really are going to have to sometimes. But I teach you how you can actually test which food on a menu is the best thing for you. Does that sound kind of cool, Jason? That is
2: really cool. And uh, I definitely want to get into your book here, but I have one last question about food before we kind of jump into the book. And that is, what about, Mm -hmm. what about herbs. Are herbs good for us to have? Because I know for years they used to be used as medicines uh, to counteract Mm -hmm. a lot of ailments. Uh, How important is it for herbs and stuff in our food?
1: Herbs are are, are very healing. And again, as with food, you know, a person can say, this food is your best food. And you could say, and it may not, it may be really good for you and not as good for me. So you can test herbs in the same way. And using herbs is, fan- is a fantastic way to add nutrition to your food, uh, like parsley and onions and um, different things like cilantro and lemon, uh, different types of herbs not only are wonderful and flavorful, make food more palatable, but they also make food more nutritious. So you're absolutely right with herbs.
2: Interesting. Yes,
1: herbal teas, herbal teas as well. So, does that make sense?
2: It does. And that is some great information. And I hope that we, we've, you know, enticed them enough to, to check out this book that you have. But tell me a little bit about the book. When did you decide to write the book?
1: Well, I actually decided to write it many years ago. It's like, ah, okay. I first put out an e book to, um, to some of my husband's uh, patients. My husband uh, is Dr. Bruce Nelson, a chiropractor, holistic chiropractor. So I, I did that and we used it for a while, and I just did most of the testing for people. And then about, uh, well, it's going to be five years this summer, uh, actually in about a week, but about five years ago, my husband, Dr. Nelson, had a massive brain aneurysm. Oh, wow. Which put him uh and he the usually the first symptom of that is death. But they were amazed at um at how healthy he was, you know, uh at, except for the aneurysm when we um got to the hospital. But he spent forty five days recovering. We used food. Uh I uh, I made sure that the hospital had the foods that he needed. We personally tested them and the hospital was wonderful with providing the foods to help him be healthy but after that we went from a business of like a duo uh he and i together working and teaching and and with people to he's retired now he's done extremely extremely well he still uses food for his healing to keep his he's on absolutely no medications his blood pressure is very good and so still using foods so that Fast forwarded me into all right, I really do need to get this message out to people. And so now I'm talking on shows like with you. I am, you know, doing um, wonderful uh, seminars, uh, teaching people in front of two, three, four, five hundred and teaching them how to be healthy and well with foods.
2: Isn't that amazing? You can actually make a, a very viable. Lesson plan and and a and a tool for somebody just by writing a book, and I think that's what's so amazing nowadays. Because back in the day, you know, even in in the forties and fifties and sixties and stuff like that, that was tough to do. You couldn't just sit down and write a book, and then you'd have to find somebody to 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 get it out there. And and if they didn't take you, it would just it just sat there and it never became anything important. But now we have a lot of resources that we can do this, and it's actually able to help out a lot of people. Um, so. What does it feel like to be able to work, to make something that everybody can use that can actually help change their life?
1: So very exciting and gratifying. Okay. And it was, uh, yes, you're talking about way back when, oh my gosh, how in the world do you write a book? Yeah. This day and age with the technology that we have and being able to instantly produce a book, um, I had wonderful help. With a wonderful publisher and editors, and with uh, designers, just absolutely wonderful with that. And it, it's just amazing. I remember opening up my first package of books, and my husband took a video of me doing that, and I just just cried. I mean, it was it was euphoric, actually, just euphoric because it was a labor of love for quite a long lo- quite a long time. So.
2: Now when you when you wrote this i mean everybody has a a lot of artists have a great you know passionate for whatever they're doing or or they have a great idea, but sometimes it just gets to you and it's hard to it's hard to do it did you have any have did you ever have any times through this where it just was really tough to 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 get through it and how did you manage to do that and how did you keep yourself focused to do to finish this product?
1: Such good questions because in the meantime of writing my book it wasn't i i always wished oh I wish I could just go. cloister myself away and ride away and this would all get done not happening Mm because I did have a practice at that time working with people and you just have to some days make yourself do make yourself do it okay you have to have a goal and a plan as with anything or you can be you can tell people oh yes I'm writing a book and that can go on forever and you never get it completed so I hired a business coach as well, mm. who was very instrumental in helping me. So, so helpers, and that also um, hiring an expert to help me put me in touch with a wonderful book publisher and put me in touch with some uh, people that could help me to make charts and do some of the things that that I, you know, some of the um, left brain things because yes. I'm a really right brain creative person. So do some of those. So getting the best help is also really important for that. Because, I mean, really, who sits down, who's born knowing how to write a book? And who's born knowing how to write a book right now? So, Because it's ever-changing, too. Does that make sense?
2: It does make sense. And I, and you know what? That's, that's some great advice because I know there's a lot of people out there that, that want to do that. And sometimes you just fall short because they don't either – they either doubt themselves, which I can't stand when people do that. But we all do it, and, and you just can't let it yeah. get to you. And then there's the people that, that know what to do, but they just don't know how to get the product out there. So those are some that's some great advice for people. And you know what? It's been almost 20 minutes already. This, this has been completely flown by. I don't know where the time has gone because I'm having fun. So – um, I want to be able to get in. How people can buy this book, how people can learn more about you, and maybe hire you or anything else that that you may have to help them and their and their uh, health uh, their health goals.
1: Thank you. All right. Well, how you can you can go to Amazon.com and look for the Food Codes plural C O D E S the Food Codes Intuitive Eating for Everybody. But you can just put it the Food Codes or my name, Lana Lana Nelson, and you may also go to my website. It's beautiful. I have a wonderful blog, and it's thefoodcodes.com. Resources on there, and like I said, I've got a great blog, and if you're interested in me for a speaking engagement, I'm available quite often, so um, that's, that's where I'm available at, Jason. Thank you.
2: Oh, you're welcome, Alana. Thank you for coming on here. You've given a lot of information out there. I really hope that people will be enticed to check out this book and also change their, change their health. You know, because I mean, it's very easy to do. It's it's it, it's a it's a process that's tough, but it's an easy it's an easy thing to try to do. And I, I know I'm going through it myself. I want to give up sometimes, but I'm going to do it. And you know, um, it's people like you that come in there and help wow. us that. You know, achieve those goals, and, I, and I, I really appreciate that, and I hope everybody else out there will, too. And we wish you all the best, and hopefully we'll, we'll be able to get you back on here and the your future, too, to talk about more stuff. Because there's it. a lot more stuff I could talk about, that's for sure.
1: <laughs> I'm coming back. All right. Thank you so much.
2: You're welcome. All right, guys, it's been 20 minutes. We have to go to a quick commercial break. When we come back, we have more. Don't go anywhere. I promise you, you won't want to miss it. We'll be right back.
0: Do you love... The strange and unusual fantasy creatures or urban legends. Do you want to step inside a dream or nightmare? If you answered yes to any of these questions, then you should check out internationally exhibiting artist Jason Dowd and his award-winning photographic collections by visiting www.imaginationartstudios.com. Get inside his mind and experience his inner weird.
1: This is Kim Coles, and you can find my newest book, Open Your Gift, at OpenYourGiftBook.com. That's www.OpenYourGiftBook.com. I hope you'll pick up a copy. Would love to have you read it. Bye! Hey everyone, it's Lulu Lambrose from Stuck in the Middle, and you are listening to AME Radio Show. Whatever it is I do, I try to think oh. about you. I have
0: a love for you, but nothing hides oh. Whatever it is oh. I do, I'm always thinking oh. of you. I hope you look at me, the patient, I... Oh.
2: Welcome back everybody. We have on the line with us a special guest. Her name is Ruthie Berkowitz. She is the author of a children's book called The Barber's Daughter and the Little Window. It's actually volume one, so there's probably going to be some more volumes coming along the way. And we're excited to talk to her about how she got into writing children's books and, of course, why she loves writing the most. And, of course, we're going to talk about the book as well. So welcome to the show, uh, Ruthie. How are you doing today?
3: I'm doing great.
2: I'm glad. Actually,
3: I'm I'm in Pennsylvania and it's warm. It's hot. Usually it's raining, and we love it.
2: <laughs> That's true. It does rain up a lot in, the, in that area, doesn't it?
3: Yes, it does, yes. Torrential rains, yes. <laughs> but it's all good. Good for the tomatoes.
2: Oh, absolutely. Well, thank you for coming on and being a guest here. Um, let's kind of start off with the, the, uh, the, uh, the talk here with uh, learning a little bit about you. How did you get into writing, and uh, when did it start for you, and, and what made uh, what made it so appealing to want to do your own book?
3: Uh, well, actually, it's kind of a little uh, fun story. I started uh, kindergarten, and I was left-handed. And back then, you could not be left-handed. So the the teacher kind of was very stern and made everybody think that she was going to hit you with a ruler, which I'd never really seen her do that. She would wave it in the air and say, now, everybody write with their right hand. So I went home my first day of school going, oh, my gosh, what am I going to do? So I was really distraught, and my mom said, you know what? Here. She handed me paper. She goes, just write whatever you can. And I only knew how to write my first name. So I wrote and wrote and wrote with my right hand. And uh, then my mom said, you know, just keep writing. So I've kept journals my whole entire life. And I come from a family of 13. And I'm one of the youngest. And uh, they're all musicians and stuff. So I ended up being the writer. And then my children kind of went to college. And I said, you know what? It's my time. So I started writing a book. And actually, I, brought, I had them in my journals and I made them into a set of series of books. And my dad was a barber. Oh, wow. That's how I kind of got started into it. It's kind of like a fun story.
2: That is a kind of fun story. And it's, you know, that's, that's pretty shocking that they only made you right right handed. How, how would you do that if you didn't know? I mean, you'd, you'd have to learn to be ambidextrous if, if that's the case, but I can't believe they'd force you to do that.
3: Yeah, they did. And what kind of was strange about it is all of my brothers are musicians and they're like they can play anything they can play guitar piano drums and everything and i was so young uh, and they're quite older than i am they're like oh well she's the writer so it was difficult but yet i really wanted to do it because my family knew i could write but i didn't know it i didn't know that right and left-handed was an issue until we moved from the farm to the city which was a small city that everybody in the city had to be right-handed, which my brothers are ambidextrous. Some are left-handed, some are right-handed. You know, nobody, we never even thought about it. But it's kind of fun, you know, when you're growing up and you can write with both hands. But it kind of, like, was my little thing, you know? It's the the
2: magic for everybody to watch.
3: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, because I can write with both hands. Woo! (laughs) Yeah. I don't think I'll go to Cirque du Soleil, but hey, you know, it kind of was... You know, I couldn't play all the guitars and banjos and mandolins because I was so little.
1: Because
3: mm-hmm. um, we have a, a country music band, we have a rock band. We, my nephew just did a CD and he does all this different music. Um, so it's kind of, I guess I'm the writer.
2: Well, so you got you got to have something in in your life that's fun and and gives you that creative outlet. And writing's a great way to do it. I mean, it's it's great for everybody because you know, just like music. People pick it up, they want to read, they, 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 it's, a, it's a quiet time for them, and uh, it's something special. So, I mean, that's just as important as music.
3: It is, and I think that for young girls, too, and boys, you know, they get so frustrated with school and bullying and everything. And, you know, like my, my family's like, oh, just write about it, just write about it. And what I didn't realize is I had all these journals until my kids are, go, what are you going to do with all these journals, Mom? So then I says, well, let's start with the first one mm. when we moved from the farm to the city. This kind of, it was a fun adventure and kind of confusing as a kid, but it kind of became really interesting with all the new adventures that was going on in the city, which really was not a big city. Right. <laughs> it was just a little town. Yeah.
2: So why did, you, my, why did oh, you, oh, go des- ahead. why did you, why didn't you decide to write children's books?
3: I thought because most of my journals are about myself kind of growing up and in the you know, like watching all the people, I would write it down. Um, I says, you know what? I'm sure other kids would like to know kind of right-handed, left-handed, what did people do? My, my grandkids are always asking me about, hey, Grandma, how did you do this? How did you do that? And I said, you know what? And my granddaughter's like, oh, just make a book out of it. So I says, okay, I'll do it. And that's kind of how I wanted to stay with something simple because our lives were simple and happy but adventurous. Mm-hmm. if that makes kind of sense yeah
2: now what are the age ranges for your books because there are you know the, you got the the real young kids that are in elementary school you know and it's it's written differently than the kids that are maybe like in the upper elementary school going into uh, middle school and stuff like that so what's that general age range for your books
3: i am guessing around maybe six or seven you know they kind of have to know the alphabet you know um Or even when you're just going to school, because there's a lot of good pictures in there, and if they have someone to read it to them, that would be great, too. Um, It is on Audible books also, but I I wanted to stay with that age group, because that's when we moved from the farm to the city, Mm -hmm. and then I have so many adventures. I have so many journals of them, riding a bike, learning to swim, um, you know, but yet there was that musical aspect of my whole family coming in with their banjos and mandolins and all that so i kind of wanted to show really what happens with a child because you always forget children you know if you have 13 children you're like okay which name is who who's what? okay whatever you know so it's kind of a fun adventurous book about a person who belongs to a big huge family and how i got through if that kind of makes sense on how the dynamics of all of the children work together
2: it does especially
3: when they're a lot older yeah It was a lot of
2: fun. Obviously, we know that you're the barber's daughter. So what is the little window, and what significance does that play in this particular book?
3: When we moved from the farm, my my dad, um, I did not know at the time, was moving with his family a couple of blocks away. My dad had just opened a new barber shop on his own. He learned to be a barber in World War II, and he used to work in different shops. And then he used to go to the hospitals and cut people's hair and wash, you know, like the veteran's hair. I mean, he was really involved in the community with his music and stuff. So his barbershop was across from where we lived. And we moved into a small three-bedroom apartment above a butcher's. But in the kitchen was like a little pantry-type den area. You could put a little desk in there, and there was a little window. And I would look at that little window, and I could see my dad. And my dad could see me because, you know, When families are kind of like feuding a little bit, they don't want the kids to see the dad, or you know, the mom doesn't want you to really have a relationship with dad at that point. Mm -hmm. Um, So my dad would talk to me and yell to me, and that's I would have a relationship with him from this little window. And he would play music and songs. And then the people in the neighborhood, when he didn't have a customer, he would get his mandolin out or his banjo, and he would stand in the barbershop door, or he would sit in his chair, which. I thought was a throne because I was so tiny I couldn't sit in the chair Um, so I used to call him King Charles that's my dad he's a king (laughs) when I was a kid uh, because it was a new store so he would have this relationship with me between the little window and my family didn't know really I mean my brothers and sister did going oh she's being ridiculous at the little window right so it was fun
2: it's a little window with a big special meaning
3: Yeah, it was a big, it was like I could see the whole four corners, I could see what was going on in the neighborhood compared to the farm. When you're sitting on the front porch of the farm, you see grass, you see apple trees, you might see a farmer down the road. But when you move to a city, it's like huge to a little kid. They see the lights, they see all the cars going by, they see the people walking, they're dressed up. Back then, the guys wore their hats and stuff and they got all dressed up and it it was a whole new world looking out the window. fancy cars yeah no tractors
2: (laughs) (laughs) now out of all your journals obviously had probably years of stuff why did you decide to start off with this story
3: i decided to start out with the little window is because that's kind of where it started with me realizing that there was more to the world Um, my dad was just my dad but he also was a barber he also was a musician Um, and then the different things that i had to do to be myself in a large family so you know you just had to kind of find yourself you kind of like reinvent yourself but you're starting out going to school you're starting out and you're seeing all these different things you're not just playing with no shoes on on the farm and going down to the creek and going swimming it kind of was a whole experience coming to a city
2: mm-hmm.
3: if that makes sense oh <laughs> it i was know really fun it was a lot of fun a lot of fun we had a storm in the 1960s that the snow was so high it went over the stop sign and my brothers again they were like 20 years older than me put me on my put me on their shoulders and they would they had a little path going to the store because we were snowed in for over a week Mm -hmm. yeah that that was a fun experience that is also (laughs) a little series book yeah and i'm working on my second one right now
2: and what what's going to be the basis for the second one
3: The second one's called The Barber's Daughter and the Pink Frog Pond. Um, And what it is, is we we just moved to the city in the first book. In the second book, which is coming out in October, is going to be about myself and my relationship with my sister and my brother, and then my mom, and we had to go back to the farm to get our stuff. You know, kind of like, because, you know, you forget things when you're moving, and you're like, oh, I'll come back and get that. Because we ended up going there every weekend, And we had um, a a family friend who had a big, huge farm and planted all kinds of stuff. And we helped plant, and then we harvest and stuff like that. It was a lot of fun. And what it is is there's um, a pond. And I would go down there, and I would play with the pink frogs. And these are actually pink frogs. The northern American uh, frog turns pink Mm. at a certain time in the year. And I used to go down there, and you know I wasn't afraid of the frogs. I didn't care (laughs) for bugs. And that's how I got Rachel, the fairy fly, is my mom knew I didn't like bugs. so she And the flies would always bug me because, you know, when you're on a farm, you have flies. Oh, yeah, of course. And um, she's like, you know, find something nice about those flies, Ruthie. And I'm like, oh. And then my sister, of course, would go, oh, there's nothing good about flies, (laughs) you know, because she was kind of like a tomboy type thing. So kind of, you know, you kind of like... um, think up different things and see the world differently as a kid
2: that's really cool fun. that's really cool yeah it
3: was it, fun. you yeah. know
2: hearing your stories like that kind of bring me back to when i had you know little stories and stuff like with my father and and my mom and stuff like that so that's really cool and i think it sounds like you know as you read it to your kids or even uh as an adult reads it you know i'm sure they'll have the same type of experience which is really special
3: I try to keep, um, and what is so special, too, about the first series book is when my mom, my mom passed a few years ago, and I had wrote this, like, 10 years ago or whatever, and my mom was in the nursing home, and she was passing away of leukemia, hmm. and we didn't really know when she was going to pass away, so she kept on going, where's that book, Ruthie, where's that book? So I brought her the written book, and she was too weak to hold my papers. So my brothers and I stood around the bed, and I sat down next to her, and I read her the book, and I described her the pictures. And this first book that you read is what I read to my mom that day. And Mm -hmm. um, I explained each picture. And I have to tell you, you're going to see the illustrations by uh, Richa, excuse me, her name is Richa. And she, I don't know. She brought the pictures to life. So this original book is um, the one that I read to my mom before she passed away. So she, kind of like you know footprints in the sand, kind of like my my maiden name. The Primo family will be around forever. There's lots of us, but <laughs> I'm surprised you haven't heard of all the Primos because they all play music. So that's nice.
2: <laughs> well, that's really cool. And I um, had to
3: do a plug for my brothers, but yeah. <laughs>
2: absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So. What were you know? Obviously, as as an author, you have a couple of different options. You have the independent route, and you have the mm-hmm. uh, you, know, you have the publishing route, uh, where you where you get uh, picked up by a main publisher. What were some of the way, what did you decide to do, and why was that the choice that you preferred to do?
3: I have a background in a business degree, and I'm also a paralegal. So I took about three years to and ask other authors and kind of do some research about. How do you feel about this particular company? How do you feel about that? What do you, how are you, you know, publishing your books? And I found a lot of them had told me that they wanted to keep it as original in the form that they wanted. They didn't want it to become marketing. They didn't want it to become like, you know, they just wanted to keep it how they envisioned it. And I have to tell you, with my publisher that I chose, with Outskirt Press, they were wonderful. I mean, they, they answer all the questions. You just have to pick out a package. They made the process easy. They answer every question you have. I have not had any problems at all with this publisher. Um, And I did want to keep it original, especially for my first book, because that was the one that my family read. That was the one my mom read. That was the one that kind of, like, was famous in my big, huge family. Mm -hmm. And I said, yeah, I need to keep it in the original form. So I chose um, to do self-publishing. I like that. You know, kind of like, yeah, you can keep it, you can... You don't have to reinvent yourself because you already have it. You have an idea. And I have to tell you, there are so many gifted illustrators out there.
0: Mm-hmm. They're
3: so gifted with their, you know, uh, the way that they do things in coloring. She did all of the watercoloring. Um, she's just a wonderful
1: artist.
2: You know, that's I'm glad a, I found her. That's a very important part to any children's books is having good illustrations uh, because that, that's really where the kid kind of like draws to it. You know, so if they see a really good illustration by the book, that's what's going to make them want to pick it up and continue to uh, read it. So, how did you find your illustrator, and how did you? What type of chemistry was needed to make sure that they understood what you were trying to accomplish with your book?
3: What is so fun about self-publishing is if you buy a particular package with any self-publishing company, um, they don't really read your book. They Again, they have so many books that they would have to read. What you do is you have to describe the scene, the day of t- you know the day and time, the mood, what you want in it, the elements um, It was kind of almost it took me four hours to do four pictures, and I had gotten in the first package I had gotten t- ten illustrations and i 'm thinking wow i can 't imagine." you know how Stephen King did it (laughs) because you have to put the feelings of, you know, when you look at a picture, you have to put the feeling on the, you know, if you have a character's face or if you have, you know, like Mickey Mouse, is he happy? Is he not happy? And what colors and and different things. It kind of, I have learned so much with self-publishing. I'll tell you, it's it's been a real experience, but it's been a fun experience because you kind of each, each picture is going to tell a story because this person did not read my book so it's like when a kid picks up this book they're going to look at the picture and they're going to kind of sort of know what's going on in the book and that's kind of what i wanted to i didn't want just a picture book with like five words on it i wanted them to know what was going on the thought process with the picture Mm -hmm. but yet they could look at the picture so that they can kind of sum up what's going on in the book cool To make the pictures fun yeah
2: well, Ruthie, we've got just a few minutes left, so I want to be able to get out there uh, your stuff and how people can reach you and how people can uh, buy your mm-hmm. books and see the new books that you have coming out, too. So uh, where can people find you?
3: People can find me, um, I have an OutskirtPress.com, and then you just put my name, Ruth primo Berkowitz, after it. So it's OutskirtPress.com, Ruth Berkowitz. Um, and I'm on Amazon barnes and noble uh books a million you can kind of get it anywhere and you can even order it at walmart which is exciting my second book will be coming out in october and there's also going to be a coloring book with it so it's going to be an extra bonus for christmas i'm excited about that and i'm working on that whole aspect of coloring and you know everybody's getting into coloring now Mm -hmm. so it's kind of it's going to be fun
2: yeah And one more thing before you go, what advice would you give to anybody that wants to write a book and they don't know where to start or they just don't feel like they're good enough? What would you tell them?
3: No, but everybody is good enough because I feel everybody in the world has a story to tell. Everybody has their own journey nobody's is the same. And I would love to read other people's journeys and learn from them. And I hope that they enjoy my book because I came from the country to the city and I'm in a big family and it's a whole series. And I think that everybody has a story to tell, even if it's funny, you know, kind of like when you go camping and you fall in the mud. So I think that that would be the first thing. And it's not about writing and making all the dots to the I's and crossing the T's because you can always hire an editor it's about the essence of the book. It's your story. It's your soul. It's, it's about what you're envisioning in your little story. If it's true or not true, it's still part of you. Just put that essence in it and just do it. That's what I tell people. Just do it. You can do it.
2: I love that. That's, that's, the, same, that's the same message we try to push over here. So I'm glad you're able to say that and back us up so we're not liars. And, um, again, Ruthie, thank you for coming on here and being a great guest and sharing your books. And I, I had visions of stories just listening to you from my own childhood, which is very special. And I know everybody else is going to do the same thing. So keep those keep those books coming, and we'll get you on again when you have the next one out.
3: Oh, and thank you so much for inviting me on your show. I hope I can come back.
2: Absolutely. We'll make sure that happens. And, guys, we have to take a quick commercial break. But one more time, the book is called The Barber's Darter and the Little Window and you can get it on her website, and we are going to take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back after this. Don't go anywhere. Jason Dowd of Imagination Art Studios is proud to announce the release of his Steampunk collection, which is currently on tour across the country. There you will see beautiful handmade masks from Venice, Italy that accentuate beautiful women to create amazing stories and feelings to those who visit the collection. Each photo series has a theme, mask, authentic props, and beautifully elaborate outfits, all collaborated in the mind of Jason Dowd to create the right emotion and feeling. The masks come from a shop at Epcot at the Italian Pavilion, where All these photos are on display for you to see. This is one of the biggest accomplishments of his career, having his work at Disney. Come see the beautiful first release of the series, which includes Distressed Dancer, Spanish Serenade, The Pied Piper, and Reaching for the Czar's. You can see them in person or online at www.imaginationartstudios.com. For more information, visit the website. Again, it's imaginationartstudios.com. Our Facebook is Imagination Art Studios. Twitter is at Dow Studios. And Instagram is at Jason Dow. Come and be mesmerized by the masks and the stories behind them.
0: Hey everybody, this is John Schneider. I want you to listen to my new music and I want you to watch my new movies. How do you do that?
1: Simple. Go to the App Store and get the John Schneider app. By the way, you're listening to the AME radio show. And so am I. Hey, everybody. This is Jay Underwood from uh, the original Fantastic Four, Roger Corman's uh, early 90s production, and now the uh, documentary Doomed. And you are listening to the AME radio show. I, oh
0: my, my, what a wonderful day. Plenty of sunshine.
2: everybody we are back and you know what it's just the last few minutes of the show and i'm going to get into some music but before i do that to close out the show i want to talk to you about something that kind of bothered me a little bit now i don't like to air my dirty laundry out to anything you know it's just it's something i try to keep it in my into my own heart and in into myself i just don't like to talk about it too too, too much but a couple of weeks ago a, uh, a guy i used to work for passed away and you know we kind of we kind of left at a very bad t- you know bad taste it in our mouth. And it was mainly, I decided to leave because of, first of all, the trouble that I was having uh, that he was causing for the old radio show that I used to have. But also, I just wanted to expand my wings and fly a little bit. You know, I wanted to get into music. I wanted to get into getting bands signed and stuff like that. And that's kind of what I started off my business with. And this guy got so upset with it that he completely screwed me over and forced me to do something I didn't want to do. I didn't want to get into, into the public relations at all i just been in it i I had no interest in it you know when i was working with him so he forced me to do it and that kind of really tanked everything and he put up a lot of kiboshes along the way and which made doing what i was doing almost impossible and i really got i really got upset about that and you know when i left i tried to leave on good terms i really did i tried to just tell him look it's it's nothing against you blah 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 blah," you know and he didn't he didn't see it he didn't he would not have it he would not hear of it so a couple years ago i tried to make amends and he refused to talk to me he blocked me from everything and he was still very very bitter for it and he kept blaming me for the downfall of his company and i'm sorry i you know he's he's in charge of the company it was great before i got there and it was great when i left so what ended up happening was his own his own mistakes his own lack of whatever it may be that he was doing that caused that to happen so anyways he passed away and you know what it really made me think because i've never been able to not say something nice about anybody and I'm like you know what this guy died and I don't have anything nice to say about him. that really really bothered me so I started looking at things and I started to realize you know what if I didn't do what I did with him I wouldn't be here today yeah we had a fallout but I learned a lot of things along the way I learned how to write better he forced me to be better when I was with him and he was nasty about it believe me we got into some really nasty arguments and he got downright violent sometimes but that made me a bigger per- a better person and bigger in my art. He threw a kibosh in what I had with my old radio show, but out of that came this radio show and my magazine and and my television show and everything else. So it all worked out in the end, you know, and that made me feel better because no matter what, he did have an impact on my life. So that made me think about, you know, when everybody says, man, I really wish I had never done this, blah, 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 blah. Well, you know what? Sometimes you have to go through things to get to where you are today. And if you did not go through those situations, maybe you made an enemy and they're just still hounding you. Maybe you were doing a job like I had and it did not work out. And there was ramifications from that fallout for years. Um, maybe maybe you got into a, into a nasty monetary situation. I don't know. But whatever it is, you're going through it for a reason. So embrace it and learn from it. I learned from this, but it took his death for me to recollect what I had and the blessings I had while I was there I never held a grudge in fact I told him I was sorry and I forgave him for what he what he accused me of doing because it never happened so I made amends with myself unfortunately he didn't make amends with me and that's too bad because I think he lost out on something that could have been a really amazing friendship even post-work situation so I want you guys to realize that we got to first of all Always cherish everybody that we have in our lives. Never take anybody for granted. Never wish that you did not go through something because that's probably what made you the person you are today. And learn from the mistakes. Those are my three lessons from the story I just wrote. I just told you guys. And always try to say something nice about somebody. And if you can't and you cannot fight and you guys are constantly fighting, be the bigger person and forgive. All right, guys, let's get some music on here. I'm going to close out the show for today. We have more coming up. We are here every Friday and Saturday. So just tune in and see what we got going on. We'll be... um, We're going to play some music now, and we will see you again next time. Keep those creative views informed. Good night, everybody. If you
0: want it, take it, I should have said it before. Try to hide it, fake it, I can't pretend anymore.
3: down. Okay. That's it.